This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time honor tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. This is as far as I can go. What brings you here? My father. I heard he was living here with you. He said no one else lived out here. No, 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 no. He said no human lived out here. Isn't that a weird thing to say? Doesn't seem humane. We will hospital tomorrow. We'll make him better, okay? I promise. Sweet River Science Lab, Dr. Maddie speaking. I need you to locate and destroy all files labeled Death 2. This is the new world. And the new cycle has begun. For everyone, this is the year zero, so there's lots of work to be done. What the hell? folks welcome once again to cinema degenerations sequel to deja vu where our specialty here is sequels sequels and more sequels uh, a few remakes uh, a couple of reboots and maybe even a few prequels but not today and well i wouldn't say i would like to say that we have something special for you this evening but i would be a liar if i said that we are going to be re reviewing and dissecting a real uh <laughs> a real turd of a movie today but you know that's the the theme here is that we sometimes have to cover some of the bad ones to get to the good ones we're going to be reviewing and dissecting if you can call it that zombie 8 urban decay from uh 2021 by dustin bergenson 
And uh, joining me this evening is my usual uh, Howling at the Full Moon co-host and cohort in crime, Dustin Hubbard. How are we doing? <laughs> doing pretty okay, all things considered. <laughs> uh, are, are you ready to, to go through the shitstorm that is Zombie 8 Urban Decay? N- not overly. <laughs> <laughs> you agreed to this, man. Uh, so, <laughs> But, you know, that's say lovey. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we just, you know, we, you know they, they, they can't all be, you know, winners. There's sometimes there's got to be a, a few, a few losers in this, this movie We're we're suffering through it, folks. As I like to say, sometimes we sit through these movies so you don't have to. And I'll give you the uh, quick IMDb synopsis and then we'll get started. And the IMDb synopsis is as follows. All hell breaks loose in L.A. when a woman returns home with her missing father, patient zero, from an infection outbreak 40 years ago. And that leads you to believe there's a lot more plot to be had than this movie really delivers. And I have to say, one thing about it that got me going for it was the poster art. I I thought the zombie looked really good. I thought it, you know, it, it looked appeared to be i'm using air quotes here that you can't see decent but i knew i knew better going into it uh dustin has uh mr ferguson has directed one of the worst movies i've ever seen when he directed uh nemesis five i'm still willing to give the guy a chance and see a couple more of his movies but after zombie eight i doubt i will do that anytime soon but you know with somebody who has you know, uh, put it this way, with somebody that has directed a, over 110, d- has 110 different credits, he should be a lot better by now. <laughs> I, I will say, based on that cover art, um, an old Jason Scott, who plays the the cover zombie, he's actually a really good actor. And Yeah, and the makeup's really good. He's a really good zombie, and it, it goes to be said that I believe he did his own makeup. Yeah. Uh, because there's, I don't think there was probably a, I'm guessing I wasn't there, but there wasn't, I don't remember seeing a, a specific makeup artist. I believe it says he did his own makeup. There was additional makeup done by Dark Infinity. So I don't think that there was an actual effects person. It might have been an instance where people were doing their own makeup because in a lot of the scenes later on where there is quote unquote hordes of zombies wandering around. A lot of their makeup is very nondescript and hard to tell that it's there. And that could be poor makeup effects, or it could just be poor lighting slash camera work, or a combination of all of the above. But he's the only zombie that is specifically defined with a Really incredible look, honestly, all things considered. He looks great, and his performance as a zombie is genuinely one of the the high points of this film. I would agree with you. The the Jason zombie, you know, the, the lead zombie is, uh, I want to say, Jennifer Nangle's uh, character's father. It's supposed to be her father. They got a loose line to that, but... Very, very loose, but yeah, I, I think he looked really, really good. And when there is blood, it's it's it, it, it's a little bit gory when it gets going. But whew, man, there's just so many things. I, I don't really believe we can talk about this in a linear fashion because there's nothing linear in about the way they tell the story. We get uh, Jennifer's character, you know, 
but she's she's out, out looking for her father. Her father then disappeared forty years ago, and she gets this, it's this loose loose uh, link uh, with her character Hannah uh, to the the father zombie, and they're really like loosely linking it to the original zombie with it being taking place on Matul Island, and that's really about it. And them having a blatant ripoff of uh, Fabio Fritzi's score. I yeah. feel like they really, really uh, ride the fine line there. That's, that's yeah. I think the the plot aspect of her looking for the father and it being kind of like a you know not ancestry dot com kind of approach where she finds out his lineage. Kind of her lineage takes her to Matul was an interesting idea. It just doesn't get very far. No, no, it, and, and they abandon that. This movie is, I think, like her and two friends are like, we're ready to go, and then they fly to Matul, in which they're wandering around and like Matul Island. You know, they're using a lot of stock footage, a lot of that royalty-free stock footage, and the movie is fifty-seven minutes long. I timed it. I watched it on Tubi. It is fifty-seven minutes long without ads. And they have some long-ass opening credits and some long-ass closing credits for a movie that's 57 minutes long. I think the the credits, picture credits start rolling, I want to say, at like 50-ish, 49, 50-ish minutes. And the picture credits last for about a solid four minutes before scroll credits appear. So there's, yeah. there's literally just, just about 50 minutes of movie not counting the opening credit yeah, I, I think you're probably being a little bit generous <laughs> because you also got to figure in they they show uh footage of night of the living dead on the tv for about another solid three to four minutes so it's probably more like 45 minutes of actual footage the cinematographer of night of the living dead should get a, a cinematography credit because the opening credits do show numerous dp credits Openings to a lot of these movies are weird because they'll show what you'll have like five DPs, which to me is code that a lot of footage was shot by other people in other places. And the movie was pieced together in post from a lot of different sources, which I know is the case for a lot of these. movies. Like, for instance, John R. Walker, who plays the newscaster, he will shoot his stuff and send it. You know what I mean? So it's right. Right. Shoot it remotely. Yeah, he shot his own stuff, so he has a DP credit. This movie also opens with, like, in the opening credits, you get, like, I think locations and props and lighting and kind of credits that you don't normally list in opening credits. It's not a rule that you can't, but credits that are... It's not usual. (laughs) ...necessary in opening credits, because they're kind of not really upfront things that you need to be aware of as far as the movie, but they're there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's more of an end credits kind of di- uh, kind of thing, you know, but this, this movie is not a normal movie. And that's actually where I, I made the, the note here. Like this is probably the shortest page of notes that I've ever made. And three different times I wrote down, this is not a movie or this wasn't a movie, not at all. And cause this really, I hate to even call it a movie. It's 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 not even a, a fan film. It's not even. Uh... Here's some interesting aspects. Why to Matul? They find this very. I don't know. They ride with the cabbie, like a yeah, Asian the guide, movie. like this. Yeah, 
Asian, very cliche Asian stereotype feeling cabbie guide guy. And then he drops them off wherever he's like, oh, I don't go any farther, cursed, whatever. And then they find the very cliche feeling like character that they speak to. You know, yeah, well, it's kind of like a, a shaman, but not really. And then they leave and then they go, the two guys go back. And I didn't even realize that he had like a zombie there. But then they, they go in and one character just shoots him. For- yeah, yeah, straight up. This random dude, shaman guy, and he had a gun, okay? In this day and age, A, how did he fly with a gun? (laughs) Right. Well, well, more importantly, how did they fly back with the zombie? Yeah, it was. (laughs) I was going to get to that. It makes (laughs) it makes me think of like um, Warlock, the original Warlock, Uh, when Laurie Singer is going to get on the plane with with Redfern, the the guy hunting the Warlock. He's got that huge metal. thing that came off the top of the barn you know what i mean and they're like oh you can't take that with you and he's like i need it and they let him on the plane with it that was 1989 okay and even then that was a joke for back then but right right (laughs) it is now there's no way he would have flown to matula and took a gun and then they smuggle the the zombie out of there and then they like a bloody guy with a sheet over his head and then they somehow just they're they're back in America, and he still well, they ha- fly back. They have the footage of the of the that yeah. stock footage of the plane yeah. flying back, and it's like what? He still has the sheet over his head though, and the, one of them makes the comment like, "Oh, it was really difficult to get him through security." And I'm like, "They wouldn't let you go through security with a guy covered in blood with a sheet over his head. That's not anywhere close to being realistic in in this reality. Like it's not; it would never happen. Yeah. Well, the this the whole movie doesn't take place in any kind of reality. Yeah. It's like a zombie, and then she takes a nap in the room with the zombie. And then he gets up, and he's he's obviously aware enough that may, maybe he thinks, "Oh, this is my daughter. I'm not going to eat her," because I, I even though I haven't seen her in forty years, but he doesn't eat her. He just kind of, you know, there's that kind of moment where I think he goes to, like, reach out and maybe touch her or something, you know, to show there, like, a bit of empathy there. And then he leaves, and then she's never seen again. Yeah, that was the biggest <laughs> what-the-fuck moment of the movie, because, like, what the hell? plot line is just disregarded altogether. Everything is completely random from there on out. Not even a thing. And then it's, like, news reports, random shuffling couple random kills like four minutes of a photographer walking and taking pictures and being attacked like the a very extended john r walker sequence of him interviewing numerous people uh which some of you know like i like john r walker i think he's a good actor so some of his his stuff is pretty pretty solid i think but um it's just it's what i it's filler it's not yeah, well, the whole last half of the movie is filler. It's all very random, and, like, there's some sequences that are good, but they feel like they're from totally different movies, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not plot-centered developments. It's just random scenes that are edited together, which I guess is it's fine. You can make a movie that way, but they're, they nothing flows cohesively. And I have to say that who's billed first, Cameron? Who's billed first in the credits? I was going to say, Sean C. Phillips. Nope. Or, or at least on IMDb is. 
That's probably so, because of Starometer, I would assume. <laughs> when you, I was going to say, uh, or uh, in the credit credits, wasn't it Mel Novak? Yes, I was going to say when you've been in like three hundred movies in the last fifteen years, like Sean C. Phillips, your your Starometer is definitely the highest. No offense to any of the other actors in the movie, but um, well, that's just by sheer no numbers alone, yeah. you know. So Mel Mel Novak is billed first as Governor Hadley. He is not seen until forty minutes in of a 57 minute long movie he has two scenes where he calls the guy to tell him to destroy the files and then the final scene where he's says the subtitle and says that the city needs urban decay whatever yeah. that name yeah, yeah he's looking out over the city that's supposed to be in ruins but it's just a view outside his you know hotel room window i'll say this this is this is something that happens a lot in a lot of these movies of this this era from from this group where the movie play and there's a scene like that where he's looking out the window and I think he's having a drink and he's like, oh, what this city needs is urban decay. And then it cuts like you're going to see another scene, but it's picture credits. It's like the movie is suddenly over. There's not an ending. There's no resolution to anything. There's no epilogue. The movie just stops. Yeah, it's uh, oh god, yeah. That uh, there's a lot of what the fuck moments in it, but this is probably uh, what the fuck moment highlight number one. It's you know it's the bait and switch I call it. Putting Mel Novak in there way up on the top of the credits, and like you said, he doesn't come in until forty minutes in on a fifty-seven minute movie. Yeah, which to his credit, I mean Mel, Mel Novak's dope. I mean he he was the villain in a fucking bruce lee movie you know what i mean like he he is oh yeah he is important but he's he's it's like an ant billing or something as far as i'm concerned with this movie because he's not well, i mean but i wrote down some of the movies that uh, his that i had seen and i was familiar with he did a lot of chuck norris movies like an eye for an eye force of one he did movies that i love like truck turner and black belt jones he's he's got some credits he's 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 the goods but he's completely misused here yeah He's, I mean, it, without question, obviously, the star is Jen Nangle. But yeah, she's and she's great. She's great with what little they give her to work with. I yeah. kind of feel like, for instance, like there must not have been a script and they were maybe just winging it for half the time because there's a lot of uncomfortable pauses in this movie where the actors are waiting for the other person to react. And I kind of feel like that's, Either they had like just an outline or they didn't. I'm be willing to bet dimes against dollars that they <laughs> did not have a script. Yeah, I I can't say one way or the other on that point, but I will say that I, I do think Jen is a good actress. I think that she's better than a lot of the stuff she's been in. And I don't mean that to sound like a slight. I think that she she has a lot to offer. Uh, I just feel like in a movie like this, she's not being challenged or utilized because her part yeah. has there is there's nothing for her to do, and she, and her character has no resolution whatsoever. It just it goes nowhere. She takes a nap and she's never seen again. Yeah, like, it's just there's nothing for her to do in this movie. Have you seen her in Ugly Sweater Party? I have. Oh. I would be the first to admit that I think that. That she needed a bigger role. <laughs> yeah, she needed a bigger role, but that was a great movie. That that's well, one of that I remember. I genuinely love Ugly Sweater Party. I think it is one of the most 
masterfully hilarious horror comedies in recent years. And it's one of those movies where you go into it thinking, hmm, you know, you've got that title and you know what to expect, kind of. But it's one of those movies that's it's like a caterpillar. You go in and you expect one thing and then it turns into something else. And then right when you think you've got that pinned down, then it turns into something else again. And then when you think you know what's going on again, then they pull the rug out from under you again. And <laughs> right. Into a new direction. Like it's constantly like it's not a long movie, but that movie constantly reinvents itself like ad nauseum where it's never boring. And it's and the cast is so good. And even small parts, though, like like hers, they stand <laughs> out because I, I think that. It's just such a quirky, original concept, you know? And the genre as a whole is a tired subgenre, I think, especially in a post-Walking Dead. You know, Walking Dead's been on for, like, what, 10 or 11 years now, and I feel like people stopped watching it for the most part about five or six years ago. I could be (laughs) right. I I still watch it. I stopped watching it after season two. I was just like, I'm after I sat and watched an entire season where they're just hanging out on a farm wondering what happened to a missing girl. I got fucking bored with it and gave up because I just didn't give a shit. See me like I love anything zombies. Yeah, but I usually usually I would say that series, though, overly popularized that subgenre to the point where everyone was making zombie things and granted this movie isn't necessarily a product of that but i feel like as a viewer i have uh zombie fatigue to a degree to where it's just like i don't really get excited for zombie movies anymore even though i love i do love them but uh you know a lot of them just aren't good or they don't deliver and you know nothing against this movie but i just it doesn't deliver in a lot of the ways that i feel like it should especially if if it's a movie that is claiming to be zombie eight (laughs) (laughs) yeah the first direct sequel uh to to zombie or or which is better known as zombie two which, I mean, let's face it, the original zombie was only called zombie because it was actually Dawn of the Dead that was labeled as zombie over in Italy. The zombie film was retitled as Zombie 2 to try and ape being a sequel to that. And then they had Zombie 3 that Fulci had been on. I believe he might have died partway through that shooting. And then- I think he got ill and bowed out in Bruno Mattei like finish the movie for him but yeah yeah he was ill since then though where it's here's the thing in other countries you can make a movie and just call it part two part three part six seven twelve of whatever you want and this is an early example of that where other you know we had movies that you know people started retitling as this that whether it be in foreign countries or here in america where people are calling shit like zombie four like we know zombie four is like zombie four after death at one point a version mm-hmm. of Dead was called zombie four there's the killing birds is zombie five i remember uh revenge in the house of usher being called zombie five monster hunter aka absurd has been called zombie six i don't know whatever was called zombie seven off the top of my head but there's just you can just call in other countries you can call whatever you want part 
eight or something, and you can't do anything about it. That's why there were so many house films as well, like House 3 was Ghost House, and House 4 was Witchery, and House 5 was uh, Beyond Darkness. Like, they just, because you can just do that. No one... There's there's no legal ramifications of doing that in a foreign country. So I feel like you get to the point, especially with something like zombie, whereas with with something like house, that is an actual property, though. You know what I mean? There was a Sean right. film and produced sequel called House and House 2. So that is a property. They can get away with that in other countries. Zombie was an American film that got sent to another country, got retitled and recut and made into an alternate version of what we know. And then they just started aping sequels off of that to the point where the zombie brand is a generic, probably fairly just public domain brand. I could go zombie nine if i wanted you could go make zombie 10 i don't think anyone gives a shit because there there's no ownership of that right right similarly and you and i might talk about this more later where we have the curse and then there was a movie made that became curse to the bite and then you know there was a, a film called panga that starred christopher lee and Jenny Lee Harrison and they retitled it and called it Curse. Curse three, right? Vice, yeah. Empire Pictures produced catacombs, and then when Empire fell, a lot of that went into turnaround, you know, in in distribution and catacombs sat on a shelf until it was acquired by like Epic Productions, I believe, and then they retitled it and called it curse for the ultimate sacrifice like curse is almost not a real franchise the producer of this movie zombie eight john Kleiza, he's an australian producer and distributor he his company retrosploitation recently released uh within the last year or so i believe a bollywood zombie film that they retitled or Maybe it was called this. I don't know. But it's called Curse 5. Oh, jeez. It, it gets to be a little bit ridiculous. It's like even a couple of the Demon sequels that, that came out that had no relation to any of the Demons movies. I mean, really, much you like can, Zombie 2 and Zombie 3, Demons 1 and Demons 2 are the only ones that have any relation to one another. Everything else is... 3, the Ogre. Yeah, yeah. 3 is the Ogre. And uh, I think what another one was also known as the church. Yeah, yeah it might have been one of them. Church was supposed to be the official part three, I believe, but then it was changed for some reason to be its own standalone. Yeah, a lot, a lot of liberties being taken here. I mean, I, I think that in in certain situations, there is kind of a, a legal gray zone where people can get away with that to try and you know, I mean, it's it's business. You're trying to capitalize on a on a brand. So, I yeah, I get it. I mean, I do. I mean, I get it, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know me. I've produced numerous films. Uh, I, it's not something I would want to do personally, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I'll watch it. I'll watch it, and then I'll pick on it. But I'm not going to do that myself either. <laughs> you can, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that, that that are ripped off in this movie, even down to the DJ bit. 
And I know you probably probably caught that as well as I did. The DJ bit rips off the uh, ending of Zombie 3 when the zombie turns around or the DJ turns around and he's a zombie. It, it completely lifts it from part three. And they and they do the eye gouge with the naked. Yeah. That's basically redoing the Tisa Farrow death from Zombie 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's done to much lesser of degree of competency competency but uh now lack of obviously <laughs> <laughs> needed to put more money into the film i would say so i have uh, to say that the, the highlights of this movie would be three things uh I, I do like the little mel novak cameo you know his two little scenes i like jennifer nangle in it she's much better in ugly sweaty uh, ugly sweaty party <laughs> she is much better in ugly sweater party and uh, another movie called Barry that I really like, and 1031, amongst others. But the the one role I really liked was the one that was obviously, you know, uh, done remotely was the, the Victor Viral segment at the beginning. I'm not really familiar with this actor, but his name was Ricky Egan. And he's really the movie's best actor. He has the, the, the best lines. He's uh, got the most charisma, but he's in one, like, minute and a half long segment, and then he's gone. I feel like that character has appeared in numerous movies made by dark infinity as well yeah because he did appear in arachnado actually as the same dj oh, okay arachnado so, now that sounds like something i would want to see but i would probably regret it later <laughs> <laughs> so but, there are characters that kind of you know fluctuate in and out of it within you know the dark and cinematic universe i'll call it so yeah. so but there's just a lot of stuff once you get to that halfway point once uh the hannah character you know takes her nap and then her father zombie goes off and wreaks havoc that once all feels the, very random everything yeah. is random yeah the plot takes a nap with her because then it just sort of becomes random it's yeah, yeah I'm not gonna complain about watching you know our, our lead zombie because he's he's great but there's just not enough of him uh, and you get one thing too i've noticed is is that you there's always a lot of these random characters in these movies where it's like random stoner characters like yeah let's sit and smoke some weed and get high and it's like okay while well, they listen to dirty d mind you which is dark infinity oh i had no idea so yeah there's a Plus, self-fluffing. <laughs> viral even plays a Dirty D song at the beginning, so it's like cross-promotional stuff for him as a as a musical artist within his film. So they even those pothead characters even say, "Oh yeah, man, can't something to be affected. Can't wait to go to the Dirty D concert or something." You know, in like a week or something like that. Like they have something, they have something they're looking forward to, and then, you know, the big bad shows up and foils their plans. Yeah, because like even the, the they don't even really focus on the the stoner characters for all that long. We get the it goes from them to like we get the the news, uh, you know, highlight real footage. We get the DJ bit, and With then we get the, goes to the news thing. It's like a worldwide epidemic. Yeah, it, it's like. Yeah, it's, it's like all across the U.S., you know, but... 90, 10 seconds. Yeah, and then the random photographer. 
we get shots of walking with this random photographer for like eight straight minutes just to have her get killed off in the dark in a very, very muddy looking scene that's not shot very well. And Which then we see a lot of in in these films is is people walking. Yeah, it just feels all very padded and very, you know, and a movie that's 57 minutes long shouldn't feel padded. I shouldn't be looking at my watch or looking at the time to go, mm, this is almost over. You know, and then we get what a random uh, jogger death. I played by Julianne Prescott. I know her very well. And I was like looking forward to seeing her in it and but was looking forward to her maybe like having some dialogue or actually having a scene other than just. Who, I just want to know who goes jogging in the in the dark along the beach with a flashlight. I I'll just say don't... when you watch the opening credits, too, there are a lot of cast members named that are literally extras in the like they aren't even characters like her character. The you know, I don't know if they're listed because I don't know who they are, but like the photographer, uh, a couple people I won't say by name, but there there are people who just appear and some of them don't even die. They just appear and they're like in a shot or two. Don't mm. do it. And they're building the opening credits as cast members. Yeah. Like Julianne is literally an extra. She, she hasn't, she doesn't have a role. No, no, unfortunately. No. Like, what, what is she? Night jogger. There's there. It's not a role. Like there's no offense to her. Like she's, she's done more than I can count. Film wise, I mean, I worked with Julianne 15 years ago on a film that never came out, but uh, she's she's had a very prolific career since then. But and as much as I think she's accomplished, like she didn't do anything in this movie. They're just put. It, it was much like with with uh, Jennifer Nangle. You know, they they're they're both good, but man, when you're given nothing to work with, it's kind of like they said in Christine. You know, how do you expect to polish a turd? You just you just can't. And you know, they're, they're both good, but you know what they aren't. They aren't fucking Mel Novak. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Novak chews up the scenery for as little as he is in the movie. He chews that scenery up. I will give him that much. He does. I'll say he and all these movies he appears in, like a lot of these Dark Infinity slash Dustin Ferguson movies that he appears in. For what it's worth, Mel looks like he's having fun. Yeah, I'll give. Uh, yeah, I will give him that much. <sighs> Walton Acker for having fun, no matter what I might think of the final product. Yeah, as long as it was a good time. I'm sure they all had fun in, down in Florida or California, wherever this was filmed. You know, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't feel like I can pick on the movie much anymore. I mean, like, but I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> like, there's some high points and low points, like some of the high points. And I know this is going to sound... <laughs> It's going to be the weirdest thing you're ever going to hear from me. But the stock footage in this movie is really beautiful and looks really, really good in in most parts. But Like that extended th shot of the spider? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that minute and a half long shot of the spider. But I'm not talking like some of this, the, the shots of the jungle and some of the wildlife shots. You know, they're shot very well, but it's very obvious that some royalty-free stock footage type stuff and... It doesn't match up with the rest of the film at all, but it yep. looks good. You know, I'll give them that. Uh, there's a lot of weird red flickers and, and lens flares that is used that I think they were attempting to show this film was older and aged and kind of giving it a grindhouse-y exploitation kind of vibe. But it doesn't work. It just... Awesome. 
15 years after the movie Grindhouse for me <laughs> as a and not just against this movie or you know the filmmaker um that whole approach is tired to me i don't like it yeah it it was it was fun 10 15 years ago but it's just it's just kind of passe now but uh yeah there's a lot that that i just uh don't get the the, the sound work is very bad uh, uh, the camera work is atrocious and, and it just it just kind of and it, the way it ends, the way it ends with just Mel Novak looking out over the city and going, we all need is, you know, we need is urban decay. There's on the camera work, there's some shots that are so blown out. And in the in the shot that's chosen for Sean C. Phillips's picture credit, the image is so bright for most of the shot. He looks like C. Phillips. Because you can't read the Sean because it's literally bleeding into the the blown out sh- part of the frame. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, you want to get into our final thoughts and and ratings on this sucker? I, I don't feel like there's really a whole lot more that we can c- cover positively or even negatively. I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of substance here <laughs> for this movie. So I'm going to say we'll we'll go ahead and go into our final thoughts and ratings. And you know as well as I do, uh, unfortunately for you, I guess go first on this one. So Zombie 8 Urban Decay, I I will not consider this an official sequel because, like I said, I think that this series is fairly just sort of a public domain brand. So I feel like it's something that was just made to <laughs> cash in off of that. Um and you know the the approach was put in to make it a direct sequel so i can't can't fault that i think the plot of you know searching for an ancestor you know family that came from matul is actually genuinely an interesting approach uh but unfortunately the plot takes a backseat completely uh at the halfway point the plot's literally taken before we even see the top build cameo actor. Um, and there's no payoff or resolution to anything regarding her story. Um, I definitely have enjoyed other unofficial installments of this quote-unquote franchise better. Um, I will reward some half points. For some things that I did enjoy, uh, as previously stated, I, I do love Jen Nangle. Uh, I'm always happy to see her in stuff. I think that not not to say specifically just this I'm calling out, but I think in general, she deserves better films as an actress. She's yes. a good actress. Um, so she should be... Uh, given better, beefier, more challenging roles. Because she deserves it. And I know that she would do something with them. Uh, I do love uh, the lead zombie. I think he's really good. Like I said, I think that uh, he just embodies <laughs> what a zombie should be. He's a, he's a good actor. His look is great. So I think that Noel Jason Scott is really solid in that. 
aspect. Uh, he also basically played almost a similar version of probably the same zombie in Hell of the Screaming Undead. So I think he's really good. And I think that the the kind of uh, ripped off score approach, clearly it's, you know, trying to ape the original score and themes. But I like that. But um, beyond that. I'd agree. I like the score a lot. The score is very good. Yeah. Beyond that, there's not much more for me to 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 grasp at. Uh, I I am not a fan of walking shots. I'm not a fan of overt extended sequences of second unit photography or like B-roll, like doorknob type shots. I don't like that. I think that it's running time patter. And I'm, as a viewer personally, and not just against this movie, I'm very impatient. I want shit to happen. I want When I watch a movie, I want content. And if I'm getting a lot of walking shots or stuff like that, I just, I get bored and I start to check out. Even if it's a 57 minute long movie, I get, I get mentally checked out like i don't even like b movies i don't think any b movie should even be longer than like 75 minutes because when we're making b movies i mean we're basically they should just be you should be exploiting whatever you're trying to do you know what i mean if you're making a zombie right the zombie element if you're making something kind of saucy you know exploit the the you know the sex angles or something you know but just if you're making a monster movie show me some monsters who cares if they look cheap or stupid you know what i mean give it to me i don't give a fuck but like i need content and i just feel like like i said the plot literally just ceases to exist after 30 minutes there's just totally totally just doesn't exist anymore the movie just goes away from her uh i just there's nothing else for me to like i said there's nothing else to grab onto uh i personally give it a 2.5 Ooh, you're, you're you're coming even higher than me I, originally i was going to give it a flat one uh i've never given a movie a flat one but i after talking about this movie with you i'm going to amend my original rating and give it a 1.5 which is not much <laughs> it's not much better in the grand scheme of things but i think it might be the lowest rating that i've given any movie on this show uh it just it's, it's so bad on so many levels. I, I won't reiterate all those reasons why. And I will just try to concentrate on the reasons why I'm giving it a 1.5. Again, uh, you know, uh, Mel Novak coming into it is great. He, he's underutilized, as is Jennifer. You know, uh, I think it was um, that plays uh, Hannah's father, the zombie Jason Scott. He, he is probably the single highlight. Of this movie his zombie makeup is great he is a great singular zombie the rest of the zombies are not so good but the the plot what little there is now i mean you would think with a 57 minute movie they wouldn't have to have a lot of plot to keep you interested but i'm much like you i get bored very easily and when your movie is you know a 57 minute movie that's played with four and five minute long walking shots it's just you lose me. You, you've done lost me uh, thirty seconds into that walking shot, let alone five minutes in. 
Yep. And but you know, but you know, Mel Novak is uh, like I said is is a highlight. Jennifer Nangle is definitely a highlight. I think she deserves much better than this. And I, I've seen her do much better. And I, I wish her all the best in in finding better <laughs> projects to work on. But you know, and you know, the the music is good. But I couldn't get it, you know, out of my head that I was listening to them as you put it, eight this you know, Fabio Fritzi's score, even though I like the score. I like the score a lot, but, I, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword for me. But, uh, yeah, that's about all I can say on this without uh, tearing it apart anymore because I know, you know, some people on this movie probably worked very, very hard on it, and huh? I, I, I feel bad for them, <laughs> to be quite honest. Not to, not to be a downer, but, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it, this goes to show just because you can make a sequel in the zombie franchise doesn't mean you should. <laughs> but I will leave it at that. I will try not to to, to bugger this movie any any more than I already have. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I'll say this. You know, I you know, I love film. I love independent film. As and do I. Yeah, the independent horror genre is one of the first loves that I ever had in my entire life. You know, I think indie horror is a very comforting thing and it is very, can have a, at, at the right moments, it can have a very magical effect. I think for me as a person, uh, I am always willing to give anything a try and even if I watch something like this, which I, I don't think is something that gave me what I would want, you know, I will still right, watch. Right. We'll watch more. I don't want to completely denigrate anything, but um, I'm always willing to watch more and look forward to more and hope that, you know, because you never know. One day I might be surprised, you know. So. Yeah. You know, it won't stop me from watching any of the, the uh you know, the cast and crew's movies or whatnot, but it will definitely keep me from watching this movie again. It's not a repeat viewing at, at all, yeah. you know, no, but I uh, rewatch this one myself personally either. Um, but, but, you know, I, I will definitely watch uh, more stuff from uh, everyone. Like I said, I'm, I'm not specifically trying to hate on anyone or anything. Oh, me either. Me either. But like I said, we're we're covering the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, of sequels here. And sometimes you gotta, you know, help. If I'd done re re reviewed and dissected Halloween Resurrection, this one is no different. Halloween, that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yes, I am comparing the two. <laughs> That's a whole dog of itself, right there. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I gave them about the same rating, a one and a half. Uh, for this one, I think I might have given Halloween Resurrection a one and a half or a two, but for many yeah. different reasons. Hateful, but uh, Halloween Resurrection is definitely, in my opinion, the worst Halloween movie that we have, not having Rob Zombie's name attached to it. So. <laughs> oh, I, I, I would gladly watch any of the Rob Zombie Halloweens and Resurrection. I, ha I have some big beef with Resurrection, but... I already covered that on one show. I won't. I won't say anything. You know that except for Buster Rhymes. Really? I. I'll say this. I've said this a lot. This is one of my mottos with with horror. 
actually anything in general truthfully film related i can forgive bad sequels i can't forgive bad remakes yep yeah yeah uh, to me a bad sequel all a bad sequel is is like it's like the redheaded stepchild of the family you know what i mean a, a franchise to me it's like a family the og is the parent everything that comes after it is the children that it begat sometimes you have a winner that might go off to harvard <laughs> and be <laughs> sometimes you you have that loser that you know can't hold a job and fails out of college or something you know <laughs> you know you might have that one that's a big hit and then you have the one that comes out and it's a it's a big failure and all the fans hate it and want to vilify it but at least it still came from the original if it's something like a, a remake that i think doesn't i don't know and that, that's all opinions though you know and at the yep. opinion at the, at the end of the day opinions you know what they say about opinions right cameron yep they're like assholes everybody has one and they all stink i the, my my statement was going to be very similar they're like noses and one can pick them right and that's just opinions you know i i i Definitely think if anyone thinks Zombie 8 looks good, you know, by all means, go watch it. Watch it. It's free on Tubi, or you can sign up for SoCal Cinema and watch it on there. Uh, if you want to watch Halloween Resurrection, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Good luck with you. Good luck good with luck. your bad self. Because <laughs> you're going to need it. So. Uh, yeah. Um, might want to go in with a crucifix and a bottle of holy water to exercise that demon. I'm just saying. Just saying. With that being said, acid might be better than watching Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's my least favorite Halloween, but yeah, yeah, definitely. But anyways, uh, God, yeah, Halloween Resurrection and Zombie 8, perfect double feature if you're a masochist and really, really want to hurt yourself. Which I'm not saying go out and hurt yourself <laughs> by any means, but hey. If, if you want to watch th these movies, even though we try to warn you against them, you know, th that's on you. Here's the thing. In, in the horror genre, a lot of times, if you think about it thematically, or maybe not thematically, but numerically, fives and eights tend to be tricky installments. Pick any horror franchise and you tell me a part five or a part eight that people uh, celebrated, I challenge you to. I'd have to think about it, but I can't think of one. Friday Five fans hated it because it wasn't Jason. Not Friday Eight, they hated that because Manhattan. Eight. Yeah, it's <laughs> Friday Eight because <laughs> it just says Halloween Five is another one. Jason taking Vancouver, like uh, yeah, Halloween Five and Halloween Eight, easily the most disliked of the bunch. I love Elm Street Five, but fans generally hate it. If you want to get super technical, the Versus movie is elm street eight and that's a whole bag of worms on its own you know children of the corn five is a stinker children of the corn eight is a stinker like puppet master follows a really good installment and botches it puppet master eight is the legacy <laughs> like uh it, there's just fives and eights they're bad numbers truthfully if you're making part five or a part eight i think just there's like a dark cloud that hangs over those numbers which is funny that we would bring up parts, you know, a part five and a part eight. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, like I said, they do make the perfect double 
feature if if you're if you're looking for you know as an alternative to rubbing bleach in your eyes maybe <laughs> crazy eights you can watch <laughs> yeah halloween resurrection and and i don't know give it a give it a chase or a children of the corn genesis or some shit oh gosh yeah i'd rather not rather not <laughs> I've already, I've already, I've already uh, been a preview to those movies. I don't need, no, no, don't need it. Don't need it. It's a 70 minute movie that features nine minutes of original content and all the rest is stock footage. <laughs> Not yeah. even credit. The movie has no credits. That movie ends with a thank you. <laughs> so Wait, which movie has no credits? The Legacy. The Legacy didn't? Oh, geez. Ends yeah, with that's a right. It ends to a, as a with a thank you to I want to say for the fans and uh, retailers slash exhibitors that have made the franchise a success. There are no opening or there are no ending credits on the legacy. It just says thank you and then it stops. <laughs> yeah, thank you for watching this movie with that is essentially only nine minutes long. It's not basically nine minutes of new footage with Jacob Woodkin and Kate Orsini and. Put a bunch of, you know, like an hour's worth of stock footage regurgitated into it. So, I mean, there's not really crew, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, I can imagine there would be a whole, uh, you know, a whole big need for a lot of crew for something like that. Oh, well, part eights, man. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, well, folks, hey, at home, if you're listening, write us. If you can think of a decent part eight to a series or a decent part five, write us and let us know and we'll review it. That's I'm putting that the out deck. there now. That's stacking the deck against Chucky, let me tell you, because after the TV show goes away, his next movie will be part eight. So <laughs> the battle lines are drawn. Yeah, but it still goes along with the idea that part fives are bad because Seed of Chucky is just not good. Yeah, Seed of, Seed of Chucky is the weakest one of the existing seven, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I, the, the seven is the only one that I don't that I don't like. Uh, I love the rest of them, but I'm thinking beyond it. Hellraiser Inferno. I think that movie's hot garbage. Hellraiser Hell, where Pinhead went to cyberspace. Garbage. We just reviewed that. We just reviewed that last month. <laughs> so, I mean, technically, yeah. not counting. I don't like to count remakes or remake franchise content as part of an original franchise so i won't count the sequel or its prequel but texas chainsaw 3d would technically be part five i think that one's okay yes yeah not a fan although i am looking forward to the new texas chainsaw massacre i know a lot of people are giving that movie or slinging a lot of monkey poop at that movie right now but i'm excited for it i think it looks good you know i'm not saying it's gonna be good but i'm, I'm anticipating good things i'm gonna keep my fingers crossed in its defense, in my mind, it's a part seven. There's been some pretty good part sevens. New Nightmare. No, yeah. New Blood. Yeah, Not I like I like New Blood. I do like New Blood. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll just have to, you know, wait with bated breath. We got a week to find out, right? Yep. Yep. So. Well, that being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one for the evening. I know we have a, a Joe Bob special to watch this evening. I'm not sure if you're going to be watching it, but that's what me and my wife are going to be uh, perusing for the evening. So, folks, uh, <laughs> if you stuck with us this long, we have been reviewing and dissecting uh, Zombie 8. 
aka Urban Decay from 2021. Thanks for joining us.